I'm extremely hungover. Sorry about that. Last night was a hoot. How you doing? Oh, great. Oh, we're doing that story. Okay, cool. All right, let me hop on it. All right, call back later. Okay, guys, we are doing the book of numbers this week. Ooh. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda. And this week we have someone very, very especial in the room. It's not Wheezy. It's not Eden. It's Alex. Ah, yay. <laughs> oh my God. I know so many people are listening to this being like, oh my God. Uh, yeah. We have a celebrity nah, in the room. Get out of here. Stop that. Oh, hello. Oh, no, listen. You have the most clout <laughs> in here. Okay. How you doing, Al? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm freaking awesome. Thank you. I just want to say formally, properly, mm -hmm. thank you for uh, making my dreams come true. Thank you for investing your time, your energy, Stop your effort. Stop doing that. I'm a softie. No, you don't I'm start a... tearing up and shit. Like, <laughs> we can't do that. No, I am too, but I never, I've never told you this on the mic before. Mm. I've said this before, you guys, his hands are on the cover. One of his hands is holding the telephone on the cover of this podcast because it was super important for me, <laughs> for you and Wheezy to be a part of this. This is our baby yeah. and I'm super grateful. Oh my gosh. He cuts the clips. I mean, he's literally the guy you're watching this on YouTube. He's cutting that like. Thank you. Oh I am forever God. indebted to you. I wish I knew she was going to do this. <laughs> I know. You're freaking awesome. But, 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 yep. the listeners don't know this. We also have our first kind of studio guest in the building. We've got my girl, Clara. Hey, how are you? Clara, how are you? Thank you. Thank you. Tell them where you're from because they're going to ask. They're going to ask. Barcelona. She's from España, La Rosalía. <laughs> <laughs> Mama, I'm so excited. Is this your first podcast? Very first one. I'm actually a little nervous. And you chose the Bible podcast to come on. Damn right. This is going to be great. Yes. Do you, what, what's your Bible situation? What's your Jesus r ranking? <sighs> Zero. Zero out of ten. I'm a non-believer. Ah! Oh. <laughs> but, but, but I'm coming here. I can learn. So teach me. No, this is dope. I think this is really, this is going to be really exciting for the listeners. I have atheist friends. And I'm very friendly and I love them. I don't, I, I was an atheist for too long to, to be that judgmental. I'm glad that you love them. I'm glad that you say that you love your non-believers friends. I so, do. Okay. I love my non-believers. Not as much as I love my believers. <laughs> 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 I'm not supposed to say that, but it's how I feel. No, I'm kidding. I went on a date the other day where, okay, hi, Tangie. I went on a date the other day with this guy who was like, I call them like a, a kind of Catholic. That means so many people that like say they're Catholic and they have absolutely nothing, no mm. idea. But anyways, I was talking to him throughout the day and he was asking me questions like all my atheist friends do. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm like, oh, I, it keeps me sharp though, because he found so many holes in my like stories and I'm like, oh, I gotta go talk to my pastor. So that's why I'm happy you're here yeah. and happy to that guy. I really hope you're not watching this. Please don't watch this. <laughs> we're, we're like still dating, I guess. I don't know. Oh my God, I'm sorry. If you're, stop, trigger warning. Stop watching this. <laughs> I will mention you stop watching the episode, dude. Anyways, Alex, are you, uh, what's your Jesus ranking? Uh, I am agnostic. Agnostic. Yes. So what do you believe? So I believe in the possibility of a higher power, but I don't put any type of labeling on it. I don't believe necessarily in any of the books or that all the books could be right. Oh, that's oh really? Yeah. Okay. So what, okay. What did you, did, is this, were you agnostic as a kid as well? No, I grew up Catholic. 
Huh, he was one of those kind of Catholics. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and now you like turned over. Like now you're a non, almost a non-believer. I mean. So wait, what is it? What's the one thing about whether it be Islam, Christianity, Judaism, whatever have you, what is it about about it that gives you hold, like pause, that won't won't allow you to all the books say they're right. Hmm. So you're right. <laughs> if one's right, all the others are incorrect. Well, you know when we're gonna find out, right? When, when we die. Yeah, that's why I'm just like, hey, I love you all. You want to know what's so funny about atheists? But listen, this is the thing that I'll say. Okay, ooh, atheists are going to come for me. But there is this town. It's like clinically, scientifically proven that those that have a faith or live by a faith live longer. Like there's this town in, I don't even know, somewhere in the... um, by like Greece or something, I don't know where they. It's like known for centennials, mm-hmm. people that are that that are a hundred. Almost everyone in this village is a hundred. They spend time outside. They are like walking miles at ninety nine years old, oh, wow. and they all believe in God. And it's like I think it's just like proven that it benefits your life. Not even understanding that. Wait, I have I have something to say here. So. <laughs> One, it could be, you just mentioned their lifestyle. They'd just be walking, you know, like yes. have a very nice, peaceful life. Two, could it be possible they live with less stress because they rely on God? So less stress equals longer life? Uh, For sure. And what I'm saying is even that, even the understanding of that, people still refute the text and deny you know, if, if if someone told you, here's the key to long life, to, to fulfillment, to joy, to peace, the most peace you could ever experience, would you take the key? So, yeah, of course. But would you be okay? So then that applies to Muslims, too. Yep. They have a truth claim. Okay. Muslim, Islam, or I, like I want to... any other religion, really. They so all anyone have... Anyone that believes in something is fine. Well, no, I believe in Christ. I'm yeah. a Christian. I And I know that to be true because of my ancient text that is my source text that is my truth claim we've mm-hmm. i've we've kind of brushed on this before others have different truth claims like in islam and again i i don't i haven't read the quran fully but i have had enough discussions to know that we fundamentally actually there are so we have so many we share a lot of commonalities between Islam and Christianity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say there's more in common with Islam than there is with Judaism, if we're being real here. But there are fundamental differences, and I do, and I don't believe that they are the same. Like there are two separate truth claims. If you are Muslim, you do not believe in the Holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they are. If you're fundamentally negating my core principle. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we believe in different things, and. I, I I can't I don't know what to tell you. We believe in different things, but they believe in something. Mm-hmm. We just have we share different truth claims. Our texts, our our ancient texts, we we receive it in different ways. I've had conversations with Muslims where they literally, I, it's like talking another language. They just don't they don't believe Jesus to be the messiah and i say this as a christian i'm sure that you an atheist you're agnostic you're like yeah they do in my heart you have to understand that is so like oh the proof is right there it's there it's in the text but i that's this is what faith is these conversations are really squirrely these conversations are 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 heavy but if you if your will is not to understand 
you're never going to. It's something beyond text and it's something beyond intellect. It's another sense. I can't explain it. I get it. I do admire though the like the faith that people have in like religion or even like sex, which is like a bad thing, but the faith, the, the, you know, the dedication, the people like the levels that it can hit. That's something that I really admire though. Yeah, dude. It's like, bro. Okay. I mean, even when I hear people practicing celibacy for, or like, oh my gosh, women who have been, who have been waiting. When I think of that, I'm like, whoa, the discipline. Like I am a very sexual person. Mm -hmm. And like, that has been the hardest thing for mm -hmm. me. And the fact that there are people who've committed to that because of their faith, their strong belief in that, that for me is like, that level of dis discipline, you're Olympic. You're you're the you're like a gold medalist Olympian. Well, I can't really speak on here because I'm not like believer, so I don't you know live by that. But I would think that if you have such a strong faith or like you're so convinced onto like you're doing the right thing here, it wouldn't be so hard to just wait because you you just you're mind is somewhere else like it's just focused on <sighs> yeah what you're supposed to be doing so what do atheists believe in so you believe in matter like science so, okay okay yeah. okay so is it like so you believe that matter uh whatever else is on the periodic table these all of these things designed all of this yeah so here's the thing i'm not so like big on science like i don't but you just said you had science. No, no, no. I, I'm big on like believing. I believe that and yet science. I'm listening to fairy nah, tales. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I believe that science proves, but I'm just not a scientific. So there's things that are outside my knowledge that I can't really explain. You know. I like get what you're saying. Big bang. I don't know the details to it. Okay. You know, I, I know what you're saying. Believe science more than a story. Because yeah. when people ask me uh, like a ton of really heavy, complex the theologic questions mm. i don't know i don't feel like i have la capacidad like the capacity or ability exactly. to even discuss it because exactly. i just don't have that brain mm. like i'm I, i'm not that and you haven't been studying that like scientists studied this for their whole life you know like yeah so same well i also believe that god made scientists and science is great there Fair are times What's Fair that? Enough. Oh man, I'm gonna mess up the the. Oh, I'm not even gonna bring it up. But like, there are prominent scientific like the patriarchs. Like you got Einstein. You got what's the other dude? What's that? The, what the Edison? You got all these people that they say that they're atheistic, but there are always these quotes in their lives where they say something like. But they also were in a very like christian society or very religious society like back in their times some of them know not these nordic ones not the nordic ones that like are from like sweden or whatever a lot of them come from other countries they, they come from places that are pretty secular hmm. but i understand that there are people that do come from christian backgrounds hmm. that still they say that they're atheistic what no go ahead they say that they're atheistic but a lot of their the the, the things that they discuss the things of the unknown for me is clearly points to God. If anything, it makes me more. It, you're, you're only strengthening my faith. Mm. It's so fun. Oh man. Oh, okay. Wait, let's get into some questions. Okay. All right. We got some questions. I asked you guys on Instagram uh, to ask us some questions. And Clara, I think it'd be great to have your input here okay. for a, a different angle. So the first question we have here from um, truth and grace. Hi girl. Don't know who you are, but hi. 
Um, how do you handle unequally yoked friendships? And I was telling you this before. So unequally yoked is a term in the Bible that means uh, either you're dealing with someone who has a very tenured relationship with God, like they maybe they grew up in the church, they're very well versed in the text, and uh, un unequally, meaning that the other person on the other side of the relationship is the opposite. They're either a babe in the faith, they're either a non-believer, they're either agnostic. That's what the unequally yoked means. Mm -hmm. um, in Matthew, it it discusses like unequally yoked pairings in relationships, like in, in uh, romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. But here she's specifically saying unequally yoked friendships. Am I your first Christian friend? No. Okay, how do you deal with Oh, I like, think it all comes down to respect. Like, I'm a non-believer, but I respect any other position towards it. You know, like... What would be crossing the line for you? Like, what's your making hard Making me, like... Like, trying to draw me to your territory. Like, not respecting my point of view, basically. Huh. So, I actually had a, like... Not a problem. Like, we had some issues with a friend of mine. Um, I actually have a lot of friends, Christian or Muslim. So, like, uh, most of my friends are Muslim. And I'm clearly not either mm -hmm. or, but it all comes down to um, respect. So I have these friends, she used to be Muslim, but then she um, converted to a uh, Christian. And it comes to a point where she was making me pray. And I'm like, listen, I respect mm. whatever religion you choose that you want to follow. I respect your faith, whatever, but don't make me pray. Like, respect my, I have my food here. I don't need to pray. Okay, like, so you want to pray? I'll take my time. I'll like start eating when you start eating. It's fine, but don't make me pray. She like to ver verbally wanted you to pray. Uh -huh. So huh. that's like, that's the crossing line. But again, not because of religion, because it's like crossing the respect. Like I'm respecting your position, respect my position. You know, it's so funny. You were saying that trying to convert you is kind of what you were going to trying to, you said something, like, you were alluding to you. that. Yeah. It's actually a part of like mm -hmm. our discipleship to do that, to evangelize. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing though. Christians, evangelicals who hate me, uh, it is our job, but I think the problem lies in approach and delivery. That's where I think Christian influencers, like maybe like me, there are a couple other people on TikTok, my girl Shay Love, shout out to you. They have this uncanny ability to speak as though not everyone is de acuerdo contigo, like that mm. everyone is on your same. Uh, uh, wavelength yeah. it's when you start assuming that the whole room understands or every your whole audience understands that's where you that's where you gain resistance so even with doing the show here i of course also my years of being an atheist help i i have that i i was i was i know what turned me off before mm. and so i try and be careful with my words but it's funny that you said that because that is literally what we're supposed to do, though. We're supposed to read the word, uh, be uh, shepherds to his word and evangelize. But I guess and I guess I'm kind of doing it now. But when you anytime that you force someone else's beliefs on you, it can get a little uncomfortable. To me, it all comes down to respect, really. Like I'm respecting you, then respect me. That's it. Like I understand that you want to. Because I understand, like, for you, you're trying to save me, right? So in your belief, if I become Christian, like, and I act or live by the word of God, yeah. I'm going to be saved or whatever. So it's a good intention that you have on me. But, I'd like, I'm I, I, I'm talking about one of my closest friends at the time. So it's not someone that I... Oh, you're just, not friends with her anymore? 
No, but for other reasons. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah no, bitch. No, 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 because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Christian bitch. <laughs> Just kidding, sister. I love you. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. <babe. laughs> Anyways, um, I have a ton of friends who believe in different things. And how do I deal with them? I just try and have discussions in the most open, compassionate way. Like, chances are they're they they would be interested in it because they're your friend. Like, not to say like I'm friends with a lot of people, and I don't like. There's a lot of stuff that Wizzy does, and I don't necessarily partake in or whatever promote myself. Mm. But I don't ever want to judge someone. Anytime you begin to judge or assume that someone wants to be saved or assume that someone is in desperate trouble mm. that's the kiss of death but that's a communication thing that's like a relationship 101 communication 101 mm. like I, I don't i don't know but it's 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 tough because then you also have people that are just like dorks like legit dorks <laughs> and but like just dorky dorky like mm. they 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 just lack this ability to connect like you are shooting and we aren't even like there yet. You know, I, th I think that that's also like, why do that? It, you're, you're giving us a bad rap. You know what I'm saying? Like my Christian girls don't do that shit. Like we also, I mean, I swear, I try not to swear, but mark that. Thank you. Uh, I try not to swear in front of the book, but I don't know, man, compassion, patience, and understand that not everyone is on the same walk with God as you, mm. even atheists, my, the walk is they don't see it. But in my eyes, it's he, God is omnipresent. I'm is always there. Mm. But I'm not gonna assume. Assume, ask, make an ass out of you, Emmy. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Next question. Uh, can I be a guest? Uh, no, you can't. But speaking of guests, I was talking to Alex. I do want to start implementing guests on the show. Mm -hmm. Like there is this famous TikTok pastor. Um, um, what's his name? Ask Cliff on TikTok, who I want to come down to the studio. Like he's incredible. All the questions that you're going to pose to me today, I'm sure he would be able to just with the quickness, mm. be able to answer it. He's a savage. Mm. He, he's so analytical. He also is like a Ivy league person, like just way more, way smarter than I am. But I would love to sit down with pastors, rabbis, monks. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so dope. Oh, God, every time I think about talking to those people, it reminds me of Anthony Bourdain. You guys like Anthony Bourdain? No? I didn't see much of his work. Uh, I don't know who that is. Oh, he's, a, he's an author, chef, television personality who passed away in 2018. And and just hearing him connect with these people like reminds me of what I want to do with the show one day. Like, I want to bring the show to TV. You already know this. And I want to be able to talk to like... Oh, internationally, I want to talk to people about yeah. about theology, about God, okay. about the inner workings of the universe. Mm. Okay, wait, another question. Um, do I have a boyfriend? No, Pastor Corey. I don't know who that is. What happened with him? Uh, okay, this is the next one. Is a tattoo so sinful that you will not be allowed to go to heaven? Mm. Do you have any tattoos, Clara? I do. Where is it? Oh my god! Do you have a tramp stamp? It's hidden. Stop. Huh? Where is it? <laughs> it's on my side boob. No, I'm just. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say tramp stamp for whatever reason. <laughs> Not that you look like you would have a tramp stamp. You're stunningly beautiful. Or I mean, I mean, I, no, no hate to the tramp stamp. <laughs> Okay, but like for whatever reason, I was like going for that. Don't be insulted by that, please. No, I love you. Um, do you have any tattoos? 
I do I? Uh, Jesus. Uh, Jesus. You're you're not getting into heaven. (laughs) You're getting kicked out. (laughs) Um, To answer the question, it says that we're not allowed to ink our bodies. Like in Judaism, if you are Jewish, like if you have a tattoo, you're not allowed to be buried in, you know, traditional burial grounds or whatever have you. I don't. I was saying this before. That is a part of the old testament the old covenant promise that god made with the israelites with the people the holy people i'm a christian woman so i we're, by the by this notion we also weren't allowed to have lobster shellfish we're not allowed to cut our hair we're not allowed to wow. men aren't allowed to shave their beard like there's so many different things in the text that because i'm a christian i follow the new covenant promise through jesus like I, I just don't. When I see that, I'm like, absolutely not. Like my pastor has a ton of tattoos. Oh, really? Yeah. It's so. just it. That's in, that's the part of the old covenant promise, and I don't. Um, I mean, obviously, I follow the commandments and I fear God. That's the crucial part of the Old Testament and the New Testament. But we were rid of that through Jesus mm. as a Christian. All right, guys, we're moving away from questions and we're diving into this week's book, The Book of Numbers, which was uh, poorly translated in its title because they gave it the most boring name, Numbers, because they number the population of Israel. That's why it's called Numbers. But the actual Hebrew uh, translation for the word, the title, was In the Wilderness, which is where a lot of these spicy stories take place. The, The Israelites go book in the wilderness, okay? And the book of Numbers is the fourth book in the Torah, the Pentateuch, the fourth book in the Bible. If you're if you're uh, following along with Bible stories, it's the fourth book. And if this is your first episode, please go to another one. This book is not one that you want to just dive into without any context, without any like historical background. It just won't make sense. And a lot of the stuff won't land. So definitely dive into a couple other episodes like the ones on Abraham, the ones on Jacob, you know, the patriarchs, just to like uh, wet your toes a little bit before you dive into this one. It's kind of like a trigger warning. Uh, It's about to get real boring. But also fun. Here's the thing about the Bible. When you're reading the Bible, so many parts of the Bible are so boring. I'm not going to lie to you. And boring in that they're very rote, very like a mechanical, a list of the genealogy. I mean, Moses, we get it. It's just so long. But after, like once you get to the other side of the lengthy text, you get to some spicy stories. And if you hadn't read them through, you would miss it entirely. So just hang on, Bible babes. Get past the the snooze, okay? And then get to you'll get to the fun stuff, I promise. So where we left off? We left off with the book of Leviticus, which was uh, major, majority you know, laws, regulations on how uh, the Israelites' people could become more holy uh, in order to be in the same home as God. But we kind of took a pause on the story where we really left off was Moses and the Israelites are at the foot of Mount Sinai. And Moses, you know, Moses was given the 10 commandments and all these rules and regulations. But in the book of numbers, there are three main characters. We've got God is always the main character. I mean, come on. We've got the Levites, Levites, the tribe of Levites, uh, you know, that's where the book of Leviticus comes from. Levites are the priests, priesthood. They are the mediators between us and our father, 
Levites and the Israelites, the people. They are the main characters and they are flawed, flawed indeed. Once Once everyone's at the foot of Mount Sinai, God commands Moses to create a census, kind of like what people used to do in war, like creating a census for their people. And remember, there were millions of Israelites at this point. So Moses and his brother Aaron had to take account for everybody who was above a certain age and mostly men. And then you could only like imagine there were also children and women. So you X the number, multiply the number. But let's go, let's hop into scripture to find out exactly what God told Moses. So we got scripture numbers, uh, chapter one, verse one. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. He said, take a census of the whole Israelite community by their clans and families, listing every man by name, one by one. God tells Moses and Aaron the names of the Israelites who are going to be leaders in their individual clans. So uh, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or like listening to this, Pause, pause the podcast and like Google the tent of meeting and then Google the, the different clans, the different individual groups so that you can see exactly how they structured this campsite. Because it's imagine like a bunch of people in the middle of a, of a desert. In the middle is the tent of meeting, which is the tabernacle we, we discussed back in the Moses episodes in the book of Exodus. And The tent of meeting is in the center. That's where God meets the cloud that God we talked about in that episode. Outside of that, go the Levites, meaning that the Levites, the Levitical tribe, they're the ones that are closest to God and so on and so forth. If you Google image that, that, that visual, it'll kind of help you more with some of the settings for the stories to come. So we've got, uh, the Levite tribe, meaning they were the priests and, uh, he wanted to divide the encampment. Aaron and his two remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, were heads of the tabernacle because we already know Aaron's first two sons, God got rid of them for being naughty. And the Levites are considered to be God's firstborn among all of Israel. Meaning that God kind of bargained with us a little bit. So for every other tribe, because remember there's also the tribe of Judah, which is the line of Jesus, Um, For every single one of them, each would be given one Levite so that each tribe had kind of like a holy representative, a representative that would be able to go inside the tabernacle and speak for that clan and speak for that group. I thought that was kind of diplomatic and kind of cool that God would even think about doing that. Well, God is all knowing. God knows (laughs) that humans are disastrous if there is no order, no social structure. Am I right? Like what I said before, there's a reason why we're working in society so well and that, well, well, that's debatable, but (laughs) I could be much worse. Okay. Assholes sit down. We're fine. Okay. Anyways. Um, so the, the three clans within the Levite tribe were Gershon, Kohath, and the Merari, which the way they do it in the biblical times is like whatever the name was, they'll add an ites and that's the group. So Gershon, Gershonites, etc. Kohath, Kohathites, and the Merari, the Morarite clan. And each dealt with different things. They had uh, specific assignments. The uh, Gershonites dealt with curtains, things of uh, fabric stuff that 
have to do with the tabernacle. You know, the Mararites dealt with structures, the pillars, the pegs, the structural things. And the Kohathites uh, were in charge of guarding the holy vessels, guarding the ark that was in the in the tent of meeting. And do you all know, I don't know if you guys watched the last episodes, but the tent of meeting is portable because the Israelites at this time are moving from place to place. They're not staying just put because it was dangerous. God would tell Moses and his brother Aaron to uh, pick up shop, like pack the kids, guys. We got to go over here. We got to go over here. We got to go over here. That's why they made the tabernacle in such a way so that they could like pack up and dip whenever they needed. And each time they would dip, God would reveal new laws, which I'm not going to get into them here, but just know that outside of the fun stories, this book is another book that's filled with priestly laws. Oh, let me discuss something that involved the priestly, priestly blessings real quick before we hop into a fun story. Um, we got Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 26. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And it's important to note that because during this time, the Israelites were grumbling. The Israelites were not making this, this an easy trip. Could you imagine uh, uh, being promised this promised land, promised land? You keep talking about the promised land. Where is it? They were just grumbling. So it's, it's, it, it makes me at least feel good when I read that reminders, like God is telling the priests who are in charge of being our mediators to him, like make sure that they know, you know, that the Lord makes his face shine upon you and gracious to you. The Lord turn his face forward you and give you peace. Just like that, that reminder, because God is also a God of wrath. So like, he kind of like lets that, he prefaces that first, but things going to get ugly too. Hmm. Um, so I was saying before, the Israelites grew tired. Uh, they, they are defaming both Moses and Aaron, talking mad smack to their face. Scripture, chapter 11, verse four. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. And now we have all lost our appetite. We never see anything but this mana. Mana was like the stuff that uh, uh, Moses and everyone was provided them to eat, which uh, wasn't as tasty, as, as flavorful as the meat that they had in Egypt. Hi, Tangie. Sorry, guys, I have to break this. That part pisses me off so much because you want to know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when we revise history and we recall memories that were traumatic. These Israelites were slaves. What meat were they talking about? Where they try and remember, re-remember like el pasado, the past. Mm -hmm. Like if it was something they glamorize, they sensationalize the past. That's what trauma will do for you. And the second you hit hardships, you start remembering the past in this more favorable way. That's what keeps people in bad relationships. That's that's what keeps people defending bad people. Mm. You know what I mean? That remind that that. Ooh, every time I read that, it's indicative of that. Like the, the, these Israelites are uh, are are defaming God to His face, insulting Moses, who literally saved them from slave from slavery in Egypt. They're now lying to themselves, deceiving themselves. 
there's this, uh, gosh, now I sound like I'm evangelizing, but there's this book in the New Testament, the book of James, uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, verses, uh, ch- chapter one, verse 22. Like they say, like the um, in that book, he also says the heart is deceitful. And he says, be not uh, hearers of the word, but doers. Um, you deceive yourself. And that this is an example of people deceiving themselves. Sometimes your heart will 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 spew lies to you and you'll believe them if you're susceptible to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, that was a high tan, you guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, and Moses heard the people of every family wailing and God was pissed because then he heard Moses's sister, Miriam, who's around, by the way, she's around the girl who found who like, you know, Moses in the, in the river. Mm-hmm. She's the one that like told the Pharaoh's daughter, like, Hey, I got a mom. His sister, Miriam, is here, and Aaron, his brother. Both of them start talking ish on Moses' name. Um, Numbers 12, uh, verse 1. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite woman. Because remember, Moses married a Cushite woman. mm, mm. For he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us, the Lord heard this? They're basically saying, and is it true that Moses is the only person who ha- calls the shots? Is he really who he says he is? Why can't it be us? That's what they're saying. <laughs> Yo, when I tell y'all, like literally, God was so insulted. God said to them, you know, God said to Moses and uh, to Aaron and Miriam, you guys know that I speak to Moses face to face. Moses is a prophet that I don't treat like the other ones. I don't talk to Moses in riddles and in sonnets and in songs. I look, I square up with Moses. Moses has seen me. So if you doubt Moses, if you fear Moses, you're doubting me and you're fearing me. Mm. Okay. And literally God was like to Moses. He was like, all right, I'm about to kill him. Should I do it? Like Thanos snap of the finger, (laughs) like about to do it. (laughs) And of course, Moses goes, no, 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 no. Please, please. But God responds to Moses, chapter 12, verse 14. If her father had spit in her face, talking about Miriam, would she not have been disgraced for seven days? And what he means by that is, okay, I'm not going to kill her. I'm not going to do it. But I'm going to mess with her a little bit. Because <laughs> what he does is when he hears that, he shows up in, in a bit, because, you know, when God is mad, the, the way they have, uh, um, paint the picture of him is like a flames. And so in the in the, in this text, God shows up after Miriam and Aaron are talking ish and like basically like sh- shines his flames at them, almost burning them. You know what he gives Miriam for talking the most ish? And also Aaron was a high priest. You know what I'm saying? He gives her leprosy. And she was a woman, maybe? Yeah. And she was a woman, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives her leprosy, mm. a skin disease. Was that la, la lepra? Yeah. He gives oh, her, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that's what he did instead of killing her. And uh, he said that you will be quarantining on the outsides of, you know, the camp, the, the camp. So there, you're going to be on the outsides and you're going to quarantine for seven days. That's what we're going to do. I wow. thought that was so petty. I was like, God would, you know what I'm saying? But doesn't that kill you too? Um, you, oh, huh? well, the great part about the book of, ooh, great question. Hmm. The great part about the book of Numbers is we see that God is a just God and we see that God is a punisher. Oh, he can save her too. Exactly. No, he provide. He's a healer. Mm. Like he'll give you how to heal you. He'll give you the the ways. Like literally specific. The rules. The antidote. Here's the antidote. Whether you take it or not, you. I'll honor it. I'll honor whatever you choose to do. I forgot that part. Okay. 
Sorry, carry on. <laughs> Better not believe in the rule. I'm gonna pray for you tonight. Oh my God, but I love you. I, I pray for everybody, if we're being honest. I, I pray for this fool, you and Weezy, all the freaking time. Literally, like, yo, I can't wait till we make so much money and get so rich. Evangelizing with our richness and our Rolexes. I mean, I don't have a Rolex, but you do. So now that we know, God is really displeased with the Israelites. I mean, what is new? Miriam, Aaron, messing up. God commands Moses to tell 10 of his 10 of 10 of the the uh, the leaders in the tribes to spy the land of Canaan. Canaan is the promised land. This promised land that we're discussing, we're talking about, it's Canaan. That's what God has promised his people. Mm-hmm. The land of milk and honey Ooh. is Canaan. Okay. So God is so smart. God is like a general, you know what I'm saying? So he tells Moses, send 10 people to spy Scope out the scene, see what's good, see how the land is doing, see the people, and then report back. So Moses sends the spies, uh, and they come back and they report back. And, you know, there's a huge assembly because one could imagine, you know, these the Israelites are already doubtful. They're talking mass smack. So if we're going to hear, if they leave, they're going to know about it, and they're also going to know when they come back. So they bring back the reports. Eight... Of the 10 people say, okay, y'all, the land is good, but the people are way too strong. They would end us. Mm. Eight of them tell millions of Israelites this. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or like maybe in a bad com- a comment section. Now that I like am developing a show and I read through comments and stuff, I've noticed that there could be a bunch of positive stuff on a, on a common thread. But the second one person says something negative, it like a cancer just spreads. Oh, really? So people just like start. Yeah. that Yeah. 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 And listen, and I'm, I have no clout. That's just me in the beginning, but I can, I can imagine that like people that are bigger, that once that one comment comes, the re- it spreads so like a like, wildfire. Uh, that's why I don't read comments. Oh, okay, well, that's smart. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's true. You shouldn't, but like, I will because I'm trying to develop a good show and I want to talk to my. I want to engage, yeah. and also I can. I literally have like fucking five followers, <laughs> but, um, anywho, God sees this and He is so mad. Remember, I said there were ten. Eight of them said that they reported negatively, but two of them, Caleb and Joshua, remember these names, guys. Caleb and Joshua, okay. they come back and they say, "Hey now, hey now." Sure, the land the land looked great, and sure, the people looked strong, but we have to have faith in God. God tells us that that's our land, and that's our land. We're going to get there. Mm. Don't listen to them. Don't, don't, don't let these fear-mongering people get to you. Where's your faith? That's what these two people say. And God never forgets that. God doesn't forget that. So be mindful of the names Caleb and Joshua. Joshua is actually another book in the Bible and plays a very pivotal, important role in the in the in the entire arc of the Old Testament, so uh, uh, like I said, Caleb and Joshua were hopeful and continued telling people to chill, and then the glory of God shows up. Let's go to Scripture, Numbers chapter fourteen, verse eleven. The Lord said to Moses, "How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me, in spite of all the signs that I have performed among them?" I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. Moses is like, please, God, wait, hold on. Don't do it. Don't do 
it again. You know, he says, what will this world think about you saving them from Egypt and then killing them in the desert? What would you, what, what would that, is that what you want, God? This is literally what Moses is saying to God. This is a famous scripture in Numbers, probably arguably one of the most famous ones. Chapter 14, verses 17 through 19. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. In accordance with great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they've left Egypt until now. And God essentially, you know what God says to them after all of this that they've done? God literally goes, all you people are not going to get to the promised land. All of you guys. I, I'm literally not going to, you're not going to see it. You're not going to see it. Except for those two that said. Yes. Except, mm. oh, very smart. I didn't even say that. But except for those two, all of you guys, anyone who has ever held me, my name in contempt is not going to see the promised land. And I'm going to show you that. Yep. Right. After all of this, after all of that. That's also how you call these, um, rencoroso. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say rencor, I, or maybe that's one way to look at it. Another perspective is I will honor whatever you do. Cause in contempt, they're saying, kill me now, kill me now. Why don't mm. you? God is saying, okay, I will. Mm. Okay. So that's another perspective. Okay. God will honor whatever you, you want to worship. Fair enough. Digo yo. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> you guys, buckle up, grab some snacks. Because the next story is like Avengers level, a Marvel movie. Like, mm, this is some, this is it, guys. Sit tight. Here comes the juice. Yes. So, this story involves uh, a Kohathite. Uh, his name's Cora. And Cora was a Levite, one of the priests. He ends up creating a coup to take down Moses and Aaron. Mm. He, get, he get, gets together 250 men, like a little baby militia, like the insurrection in January, <laughs> the Capitol Hill riots. <laughs> but Israeli, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, okay, mo okay. He, he creates 250 men, seize power, to seize power away from Moses and Aaron. Obviously, news gets back to Moses. He's connected. Moses is like, all right, guys, y'all sound ungrateful and dumb. Please don't do that. But they shouted, you took us from the land of milk and honey and nice things. Remember what I was saying before about people re remembering um, uh, the past a little bit? That's happening again here, too. So they say, and who put you in charge? Why do we have to listen to you? And Moses is like, I already know God is watching this and he is pissed. So you know what Moses says? And Moses at this point, he's a professional. How many times has a situation like this happened with Moses? Right now, it's probably like the 22nd time I've counted. So Moses goes, you know what? All right, bet you and all your road dogs show up tomorrow morning by the set, by this part of the tent or whatever. Show up, bring them all. Let's see what you guys got. Bring your incense too, because they were priests. So they come. In front of everyone, in front of the assembly, Moses goes, all right, boys, you guys are doubting me. Therefore, you're doubting the Lord. All right. Listen, if you guys die of natural causes, then you're right. The Lord doesn't exist. You're right. I'm not here to serve the Lord. You're right. But if the earth splits open 
and swallows you whole, then you guys are my bitches. And before he could even finish his sentence, God opens up the ground uh, that these people were under him, him swallows him whole. He becomes engulfed by the ground. They're all seeing this happen. Literally, the Lord is like, y'all better get away from them because whoever they're touching, whoever they're near, you're going down with them. Mm. So Moses is like, back up, guys, back up. (laughs) Otherwise, you're going to fall to the ground. You're going to burn. You guys, okay, wait. So Moses, okay, listen. So Moses says, coño, coño, I lost it. The ground opens up and swallows them. The Lord burned all 250 of those followers too. And the next day, the Israelites that witnessed this were like, Moses and Aaron suck. How could they do that? How could they do that to our Lord, to our friend? And the Lord legit, because of that, the next day, the ne- after the, the ground collapsing, they're still like, yo, that was really messed up. Why'd they do that? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So the Lord hears this and puts a plague on all of them, ends up ki- killing like 24,000 of them. Mm. So wow. literally God is doing what he was saying. Remember when he said that they were going to, mm. they weren't going to make to the promised land. This is what he's doing. He's trimming the fat baby. That's what's happening. So he's literally honoring what these people do this. They say they hold the Lord in contempt. They don't believe whatever. Then the God will show you. Woo. And right now we're nearing the, cause they're at the desert of Paran. This is where all of these things are happening, are occurring. All the, the doubting, the, the, this, this moment with Korah. All these things are happening within a 40-year window. If, I, if you guys, if I could paint a mental picture for you, right now we've described what happened at the foot of Mount Sinai, watching the Israelites camp, the, the whole camp, move around because they're mobile, but the real 40 years, the 40 years that God says, I'm going to kill y'all off before y'all get to the promised land. The next generation are going to be the ones to enjoy the promised land. God is making them wait 40 years to have that generation die over. That's mm-hmm. what's happening here at the desert of Paran. So right now, after that, that, that story that I just said, we're nearing the end of the 40 years. And then the last chunk in preparation for the entry of the promised land happens in the land of Moab. I'm sorry, but that's not fair. What's not fair? That's not fair. You make suff- you make all these people suffer for so long. You know with suffering, you created them. They're not perfect. You know with suffering comes exhaustion and it's harder to be grateful and to believe on something that for so long you've been promised is not coming. Da, 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 da. And now you still went through all the suffering and you don't get the prize? wow (laughs) how entitled and that's exactly (laughs) what the no 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 no. but that the entitlement of of people and this is the 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 understanding that um we deserve god deserves wasn't that the promise line no but listen yeah yeah god promised and now i'm dying there was a covenant promise but what is what is understood about a promise what's the core of a promise it goes both ways they agreed to a covenant with our father okay it was a contract yes absolutely they were bound by a contract Mm. they were at breach of the contract okay so once you break the covenant fair enough we doesn't owe you jack ish you're right if anything and you know what let's be real Uh, in this text also moses shows contempt for the lord which he's also done in previous books in exodus he was displayed that as well could you imagine 
God listening to that, watching that, it's it really is. And I guess because I've read the text several times, but it's a slap in the face is what it is. That's why he's so angered and frustrated. He's literally giving you the answer, a, a new life. And they already messed it up for themselves. It, at this point, God's decision's already made. Anyone who was involved in the exodus is not going to make it to the promised land unless they are Joshua, Caleb, the mm. two, the two guys, the other two, yeah, yes, unless they are the, and and their descendants. What if they redeemed themselves, like right before dying? Okay, I believe you. God forgives. Oh, and God is a forgiving God. You know, there, there's a question that my mom posed. Hi, Tangi. Um, she was talking to me about someone suicide is a sin. You're ending mm -hmm. your life. You're you're taking a life, and it's actually against the law too. Oh yeah, at least in Spain. I don't know here. But, oh yeah. Uh, well, it's it's a just, destruction of yeah. human property. It's just your own. And my mom brought up this point, and she said that someone asked her, if someone falls uh, to their plummets to their death, and mid fall, they say, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry, Father. I'm so sorry. I don't even know. Maybe they didn't even have a relationship, but they had it then and there." Mm. God will forgive you right then and there. It doesn't matter when. You can be saved at any moment. But you're still, but you're still gonna die. Mm. So but that's not a problem for for a believer, right? Because if you die, you go to and you're forgiven. You go to. Um, well, being forgiven is different, and it is different than um, not uh, being punished for your sins. Like oh. you're still committing a sin, and if unless you've uh, repented and have been washed of that sin then you're still going to reap the consequences of that. Okay. But you still have that yeah, forgiveness. Because I was thinking that you can just live a life of sin and just turn, you know, like when you're old. And, and it won't work. It won't work. Yeah, that That's enough. not, there's no Jimmy rigging God. So we're nearing the end of the 40 years in the wilderness and the Israelites are dying off. Miriam died. Moses' sister, she dies. And even Aaron dies too. They have this like really uh, ceremonious moment on top of a the mount a mountain where they remove Aaron's clothes and they give him to his younger son who is then going to be the head of all the priests as well. And at this point, so many neighboring towns know about the Israelites because they're still squatted, like they still got mad people, and like their other people in the other lands are now a little bit like, what's going on over there? They're watching from up in the the mountains, like. Could it be that the Israelite God is going to bring them into Canaan? Mm. What's real good with that? Now, this is the last story I'm going to tell for the day. And it has to do with one of these towns. Um, the, the, the land of Moab had a king who heard wind of the Israelites approaching. He could see them visibly seeing them you know like what he doesn't know is that the israelites are like eating them their heads off like but whatever for all for all he knows they're planning to take over his land mm. right so um the, the king's name was balak um the king of moab saw the israelites from a distance and balak sent his messengers to a man named balaam who balaam was how do you say this? I, I'm not going to, he wasn't a prophet, but he was known in the land as someone who was hired to put curses on people. Hmm. He was what they called a soothsayer. And like, yeah, if they hired him, he could curse you and bless you. Oh. It's just that this is what this guy was. And he was, he was called by Balak, by some of his people. And Balaam was like, he was being offered so much money 
coins, goods, jewelry, food by the king of Moab. And he still felt resistance in that resistance. We're about to get into right now. So you know what Balaam does? Because he's about his bag. So he grabs his donkey. He gets on his donkey and his two other servants. And he's on his way to Moab because he needs to meet them to see what's good, what's going on, assess the, the area before he goes to curse them. Mm-hmm. And as he's on his donkey going towards the land of Moab, his donkey, who he's had for years, starts stops and starts and like pauses and falls to the ground the first time the donkey kind of like does this weird spasm balaam hits him hits the donkey come on donkey get up so the donkey gets up and they keep trawling along and all of a sudden the donkey does it again he falls to the ground and balaam goes donkey what is real good get up with this with the staff he just keeps hitting the donkey and then the donkey gets back up goes like a foot more and he falls back down again and then he hits him one more time Balaam hits the donkey and all of a sudden we hear the donkey go can you not the donkey all of a sudden can speak excuse me the donkey has a voice and he tells him what have I done to you why do you keep hitting me guess what the angel of the Lord was what was stopping the donkey. The donkey could see the angel of the Lord, not Balaam at first. But after that third theater, he shows up for Balaam too. And Balaam goes, what? Who? I he, he knows that this is the angel of the Lord. He's no dummy. Once the angel of the Lord is in front of you, you know. And so he goes, where are you going? And of course, Balaam reveals to him the plan. He goes, well, I've been summoned by the king of Moab to curse the Israelites. And he goes, you can't curse people that I've blessed. So what was real good? What do you mean? <laughs> what are you trying to do? Yeah. And he goes, well, I mean, I, I, guess I, I guess I don't know. So the angel of the Lord goes, okay, listen, you're gonna, you, can, you can go. I'm going to let you pass. But you're not going to do anything that I don't tell you to do. You're going to do everything that I tell you to do. And Balaam goes, okay, bet. So Balaam and his donkey and the two servants or whatever go to Boab, um, Moab. And they meet up with the king of Moab. And he basically shows them. He goes, all right, bet, look. The king goes, this is what I'm dealing with. You see them over there? The Israelites? They're going to take over. What do I do? Balaam goes, all right, listen. Here's a situation. I can't really curse them because God won't let me. But let me try. So Balaam, you know, does his little soothsayer stuff and he tries to curse them. He literally cannot pronounce a curse. He cannot say the curse. And you know what he does instead? He says blessings. Blesses them. Oh, wow. Blessings. And then wait, the king goes, okay, hold on. Let's go to another angle. (laughs) So then, wait, wait. So then, oh, this is so interesting. So then the king goes, okay, wait, let's hit him from this angle. What about this angle? Can you do it now? And Balaam goes, okay, let me try blessings 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 this happened seven times these are seven blessings that a soothsayer is putting on these people and you want to know what's even funnier is what i said before the israelites are falling apart and they don't even know that while they're falling apart god is on a mountain pouring blessings onto them Hmm. and they don't even realize this is happening Mm -hmm. 
I just thought that was so interesting that even when we don't see it, when we don't acknowledge it, when we don't, when we don't see the blessings right in front of us, that doesn't mean that the blessing isn't being cooked up. You just can't see it. It's outside of your optics. That's true. Major. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah, I felt that one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. Um, oh, oh, I, I won't get into it. The, the story is so long and this book is so, you guys, I mean, the book has like 40 some odd chapters in it. It's long and I know I'm going to miss some stories, but like the Balaam story actually gets real good. Cause then at the foot of the Moab or whatever, he also, just cause he doesn't curse them. He also does some foul stuff, which alludes to the King giving him a lot of money hmm. because he, just cause he wasn't able to curse them doesn't mean he wasn't going to mess up the Israelites plans. He ends up putting a spell on the Moabite Moabite women to seduce the Israelite men. So they end up having mad sex with the Israelites or whatever. God sees us and God's like, oh, Lord, <laughs> Lord, what am I going to do? But that's a little pin on Balaam, by the way. They don't like mentioning that part. They only talk about the blessings. Hmm. That muchacho was no bueno. Like, there's a reason why he did what he did. You know what I mean? Hmm. The reason why he couldn't curse was because God didn't allow him to, not not by his own volition, mm-hmm. which is why I'm saying I don't trust, I don't trust humans, people. I feel like we're the hu- human error is is inevitable. We're flawed. Anywho, um, I already talked about that. Then all of a sudden we're we're winding down, guys. There's a second census, and Moses knows that he's not going to see the promised land at this point because of God said, anyone who has ever held my name name in contempt, Moses has, and Moses has messed up a lot, is not going to see the promised land. So he asks the Lord, who's going to take over for me? I know, I already know I'm not going to see it. I already know I'm going to die. But who's going to take care of them, the next generation? Who is going to be the shepherd to these lost sheep? And God says, you know what? That's a good question. It's going to be jo- uh, Joshua. Yeah, one of the guys, mm-hmm. Joshua. Joshua is going to be the one that's going to be executing the, the, the entry into the promised land. And his final ask before uh, Moses' death, uh, which we d- don't discuss in numbers, but just to give you a little information, was to kill the Midianites, which is another land. Uh, Moses ends up getting 12,000 men together and slaughters all of them. That was one of the last things that Moses ended up doing. Wow. And so far... We've touched on a lot. We've touched on rebellion. We've touched on um, spiritual loss. Uh, we've t- we've uh, the gra- God swallowing people whole from the ground. We've never seen that one. That trick was fun. But at this point, we're past the desert in Paran. The forty years have passed, and we're about to enter the promised land. It's go time right now, hmm. and this is all happening at the foot of Moab, which is a, a neighboring. That's it's literally the Canaan is right there. At this point, nine and a half tribes end up settling inside the promised land and two and a half tribes end up settling right outside of the promised land, which is okay. They asked Moses if that was okay, if like, because some of them really liked the area outside of the, the promised land. And Moses said, so long as you guys don't start wars between each other, so long as you guys divide the land up and are fine, it's, mm-hmm. it's kosher. We're good. So chapters 28 to 33 are a bunch of laws I'm not going to get into, but it's a whole lot. You should get into them. Um, and in, in those laws, he, God dissects the plans that he has for Canaan. Like, you're not just going to be rolling up there like what's good. Like, no, you're going to there's still going to be laws and regulations in place because we can't have the mistakes of the past happen again, which. Stay tuned for next week's episode, guys, because I can't. Mm. I can't. <laughs> Moral of the story is. 
The enemy will learn from your mistakes, even if you don't. I'm pretty sure that's a lyric to a song, a mm. gospel song. But the enemy being doubt, fear, insecurity, acts of spite, being unkind or mean. The enemy familiarizes itself with your strengths and your weaknesses. The enemy strengthens your weaknesses with a swiftness. It has the master key to every single one of your desires, and it will do everything in its power to keep you from peace, to keep you from the promised land. You know what this reminds me of? Sorry, high tangent in the moral story. I never do this. But I was listening to this um, Oprah interview that she had with this author named Caroline Miss, mm. and Oprah asked her, so how do we know when we're on the right path? How do we know? What, what's our confirmation? Give me something. And the woman said something so dope that kind of tethers into this moral of the story. And she said, whenever you're in an opportunity or you have the potential to betray yourself, you're on the wrong path. If you have a feeling of like a self-betrayal, you're on the wrong path. And so much of that, the core of that was found in numbers. Like you have to have imagined that when these people were, um, you know, doubting and, and, you know, condemning God and like negating what he's done for them, you have to imagine that these people were scared and hurt. And when you're operating from a place of fear and scared and hurt, you're more prone to betray yourself because you don't know any better. It's like that's when the enemy the enemy sees that and then he climbs in. That's the that's the breeding ground for the enemy when he sees you scared, afraid, alone. That's when you that's when you're more prone to betray yourself, whatever that is for you. Whatever that is for you. Right? And what numbers shows us is that God will honor whatever you worship. If you worship the enemy, if you worship your weaknesses, if you exalt your fears and insecurities, that will be what your reality looks like. And if I could encapsulate this moral of the story into a phrase, it'd be this. God is faithful to you, even if you're not faithful to him. God is faithful to you, even when you're not faithful to yourself. Hey, Father. Yeah, you know, I'm never doing an episode hungover again. Uh, but thank you to my friends. I love you. And he loves you too, okay? Yes, they're angels on my boobs. Mm -hmm. Sorry, God. <laughs> <laughs>